Okay, we're going to begin here on the top of Men Bedem and Aleph by the two dots. Gemara here is discussing the placement of cold water into hot water and hot water into cold water. Gemara brings a bright Tanrabanan. First, we put hot water into cold water. On the other hand, we may not put cold water into hot water. Divrei Beit Shammai. That is the position of Beit Shammai. The way Rashi explains this part, according to Beit Shammai, is that the Breiter here believes in a concept called Tata'a Gavar, that whatever is on the bottom determines the heat conduction of two mixtures. So if the bottom or the liquid that is found in place is hot, then that will determine what happens to another liquid that comes in there, and it will make everything hot. On the other hand, if the liquid that's in place at the bottom and you're pouring hot water into cold, the cold water will dictate because tata'a gavar, the lower one, always overcomes, and therefore it will cool the water down. So if you want to know whether pouring water cold or hot into another item, is it that the cold water is now being heated by the hot water, or is it the hot water is being cooled down by the cold water, you look at whatever is on the bottom. So if the water at the bottom is cold, then whatever is being poured in is being cooled. On the other hand, if what's on the bottom is hot, then whatever is being poured in is being heated. And based on that, Beit Shammai says that a person in a Kli Rishon, this is a Kli Rishon that can be Mivashot, that can cook, if he puts hot into cold, it's fine, because the cold water will cool the hot water down. But on the other hand, one may not put cold water into the hot, because the lower hot water will cook the cold water as it comes into it, and that's the position of Beit Shammai. Now, Beit Shammai believes that a person can put hot water from a Kli Rishon into cold water. And on the other side, he says, even by a Kli Shani, one may not put Sonein, cold water, into hot water. Beit Hillel, on the other hand, Beit Hillel argues on the second half of Beit Shammai's statement, which is, Ben Chamin Latok Sonein, or Ben Sonein Latok Chamin. Whether it's hot water into cold, whether it's cold water into hot, Mutar, that is allowed. Now, Bemei Dvaramim Bekos. That's only true in a cup, a cup which is clearly a Kli Shani over here. Beit Hillel only argues on Beit Shemai's premise that when you pour cold water into hot, that it's restricted even by a Kli Shani. Beit Hillel says that's not true. By Kli Shani, that is fine. So Beit Hillel will agree to Beit Shemai that when we're talking about a Kli Rishon, over there you can put hot water into cold, but you cannot put cold water into hot. Because according to Rashi, Tata Kavar, whatever's on the bottom determines whether it's being heated or it's being cooled down. So in the case where the bottom is hot water, then it's cooking because it's heating it up. On the other hand, if the bottom is cold water, then it's cooling it down and it's permitted. In a klisheni, Beit Shemai says, we are gozer. In klisheni, that you also may not put cold water into hot, even though technically it doesn't cook. But nevertheless, because it's similar in nature to having hot water in a klisheni, where it's not permitted, we will not allow it by a klisheni. And Beit Hillel says that's not the case. We are not gozer by a klisheni, by a kos. And we allow you to pour the cold water into the hot water of a klisheni. That is the way that Rashi explains it. Tosafot disagrees and he says that this bright has nothing to do with what's called tata'ak gavar or yila gavar. Whether whatever is on top or on the bottom dictates what's transpiring with the meeting of two objects, one cold, one hot, but rather the breita is premised, according to Rabbeinu Tam, on the fact that whatever's in the bottom or whatever's in place is much larger. And that is, you tend to pour smaller items into larger items. And therefore, Beit Shammai says, you can put hot water into cold water because if the cold water is in place, that means there's a lot more cold water. By pouring hot water into it, it's clear that you're just cooling off the hot water. You are not cooking the cold water that's in place.
On the other hand, if there is a lot of hot water in place and you're pouring cold water into it, then clearly the cold water is being cooked by the hot water in place. Now, that's true by a Kli Rishon. Beit Shemai says, even by Lishani, we have a large amount of hot water in the bottom and you pour cold water into it, it's restricted. Again, a because we know that a Kli Shani is not Mivashel. On the other hand, Beit comes along and says, no, that's not true. By a coast, by a Kli Shani, one can even pour a small amount of cold water into a large amount of hot water. Aval ba'ambati, if it's a bath, then chamin letoch tzonein, then one may only pour hot water into cold, velo tzonein letoch chamin, but not cold water into hot. Now the way Rashi reads it, as well as the Tos with the Rosh and other Rishonim, that we're here we're talking about a Kli Rishon, basically telling us that Beit Hillel agrees to Beit Shemai's position when it comes to a Kli Rishon. Nambati, which we saw before, was a Kli Rishon. And what we have, we explained the beginning of this Brayta, we're talking about a Kli Rishon. In that case, both Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai agree that one can pour hot water into cold, but not cold water into hot. According to Rashi, the reason is because Tata Gavar, whatever's on the bottom, dictates. Therefore, pouring cold water into hot is problematic, whereas pouring hot into cold is okay. Again, that's both according to Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai. On the other hand, Tosafot believes the reason is that there's a larger quantity at the bottom. And therefore, both Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai agree that when there's a large quantity of hot water, then you can pour water from a cleavage shown into it without a problem because it'll cool it off. On the other hand, if you have a large amount of hot water in a cleavage shown, you can't pour that cold water in it because it'll cook the cold water. On the other hand, Tosafot himself over here explains that the Ambati here is a klisheni. Aval Ambati in a klisheni, Chamin letokzonein, Beitelel agrees that when you're pouring in, you can only pour in hot water to cold and not cold into hot. The reason being that Ambati looks like it's a klisheni because it's a large area. They heat the water up to a very high temperature. And even though it's a klisheni over here, Beitelel will restrict it because it looks like a klisheni. So the way Rashi is reading it simply is that Beit Shemai and Beitelel agree by klisheni. And they have a disagreement by klisheni, where Beit Hillel says there's no gzera, and Beit Shemai says there is a gzera. On the other hand, according to Tosafot, Beit Hillel and Beit Shemai agree by klisheni. Even by klisheni, Beit Hillel only argues on Beit Shemai when we're talking about a kos, a cup which is a small quantity of water, something that's not heated up so hot. Over there, he says that you can even pour the cold water into the hot water. But if it's a large klisheni, like an ambati, then even Beit Hillel agrees to Beit Shemai that we're gozer in that case. And that's the different ways to read this piece of the Brayta, going to Rashi and Tosafot. Now, we have Rabbi Shimon Benasio Oser. Rabbi Shimon Benasio says it's problematic. Problematic in an ambati. When it's an embate, you may not even pour chamin letoch tzonein. You may not even pour hot water into the cold water. Amaro nachman alocha k'reb shimim b'menasya. The locha is like reb shimim b'menasya. Sover of Yosef the Meimar. Reb Yosef wanted to say seifel, a bucket of water. Harihu k'embate has the same din as a bath. So now let us understand where it is mutar to utilize these items. So as Rashi points out, number one, when you're talking about a glee shown. We already know that there's a problem in terms of putting cold water into hot. In a klisheni, we said that that is okay, according to Beit Hillel. According to Beit Hillel, one may put cold water into hot water when it is in a klisheni. Along comes Rabbi Yosef and says, wait a minute, why is it by klisheni that we allow this to happen? Is it because it's a klisheni and therefore it's permissible? Or is it because it's a klisheni plus? Not only is it a klisheni, it's a small quantity small quantity of water in a cup that is used for drinking and a person will not heat it up 
to an extreme where it'll be so hot that it looks like it's almost a gli shown. So based on that, Rav Yosef really creates a hierarchy and says, if it's a gli shown, then you point to everyone, you cannot put the cold water into the hot. If it's a gli sheni, in terms of putting in the cold water into the hot, we said the Beit Hillel says that's fine when it's a gli sheni in a kos. By Ambati, by gli shown, it's not okay. But Rav Yosef comes along and says that's only true by a gli sheni, that's also something that you do not heat up to a, such a high temperature. Because if you did heat it up to a high temperature, then Beit Shemai is correct. And we should be gozer klishini atu klirishon. And so therefore, the distinction that is being drawn between klirishon and klishini is not absolute now, according to Beit Hillel. Klirishon, I agree with Beit Shemai. Klishini, I disagree with Beit Shemai, but I don't disagree in all cases. I only disagree in a klishini like a kos, where it's for drinking, where you're not going to heat it up to a very high temperature. On the other hand, if it's a safe, a bucket of water, which Rashi claims is used for rechitza, is used for washing oneself, and you heat it up to a very high temperature, then that will not be permissible because it looks like a kli rishon. And they will agree with Beit Shammai, then in that case, you may not pour cold water into the hot water. And that's what it means, Rav Yosef says, a safe has the same din as an ambati. Now, according to Rashi, that means that a safe which is a cliche ni, a large quantity of water that's heated up very hot, has the same din as an ambati, which is a kli rishon. According to Tosafot, that means that a seifel, which is a kli sheni, is similar to an ambati, which is also a kli sheni. But we already saw that according to Tosafot, that kli sheni, even Beit Hillel agrees you may not pour cold water into it because it's very hot and it's a large quantity. So that's the Havamina of Rabbi Yosef. On the other hand, Amalei Abayi, Tani Rabchia, had a bright seifel enoke ambati, that a seifel does not have the same qualification as ambati. If that's the case, that means that Beit Hillel, according to Rashi, always disagrees when it's a cliche and you can put cold water into hot water. Whereas according to Tosafot, if it's a seifel or a coast, which are smaller items, then it'd be permissible according to Beit Hillel. But Beit Hillel by an ambati, by a large bath, which is a cliche even Beit Hillel would agree that that cliche is impermissible. Now the Gemara asks, Lamai de salikadato, based on the Havamina, that Mi'ikara de seifel that Rav Yosef thought that this bucket has the equivalent dinam and ambati, and Rav Nachman also said the loch is like Rav Shimon ben Asya, which means doesn't matter if you put cold into hot or hot into cold, it's impermissible. In that case, you will never have the ability to wash with hot water on Shabbat. And we already know that hot water that was warmed up before Shabbat, one may use to wash his hands, feet, and face on Shabbat. And the assumption being that you wouldn't use it directly from a kli because the water would be too hot. So therefore, you'd have to mix it with cold water in order to utilize it. But the way we are setting up the brighta now, and Yosef's understanding of that brighta, it would be impossible. You have a bucket of water that's used for rechitza. How are you going to cool that water off? You can't pour cold into it, and you can't pour it into cold water because we pass in like Rav Shimon ben Asya. Therefore, how are we going to deal with this? The Gemara says, Misavar, Rabbi Shimon, You think Rabbi Shimon's talking about the latter half of the Braita? Areshakoi. It's talking about the first half of the Braita. It says, Ubitilel Matirim. Ubitilel is Matir by a klisheni. Ben Chamim letoch tzonein. Uben tzonein letoch chamim. Shimon Benasio, Sir tzonein letoch chamin. Rabbi Shimon Benasio says that that's not the case. It's only true that you can put hot into cold. You may not put cold into hot. Lema Rabbi Shimon Benasio, Damar Kabit Shemai. If you're doing that, then Rabbi Shimon Benasio turns out to be the same as Bit Shemai. That was the statement of Beit Shemai at the beginning of the Baraita, 
which is that only hot into cold, not cold into hot. Beit Hillel argues. Now we're saying that Rabbi Shimon Manasseh argues in that position of Beit Hillel, which basically means that he's equivalent to Beit Shemai. Where it says, no, Beit not that he subscribes to the position of Beit Shemai, but rather Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel do not argue about this issue. And that even Beit Hillel agrees, whether it's a Kli Rishon or whether it's a Kli Sheni, you only may put hot water into cold, but not cold water into hot. Now, Tosafot says that the Gemara here is only saying this in the Havamina. When Rabbi Yosef thought that a Seifel equals an Ambati, a bucket equals a bath, then Rabbi Shimon was addressing the first half of the Brayta. But in the conclusion, where Abaya brings the Brayta from Chia and says that a bucket is not like a bath, then we take Rabbi Shimon back to the latter half of the Brayta. And therefore it will come out the Alocha, that we paskin like Rabbi Shimon like the Gemara says over here, and that we say that by a Kli shown, it's only hot into cold. By a Kli Sheni, like Beit Hillel says, we say that you can put hot into cold or cold into hot. That's as long as it's a coast. It's a small quantity. But a Bati, a large bath, Beit Hillel said, you can put hot into cold, but not cold into hot. Along comes from Shimonasi and says you can do neither. And that's the way we're going to pass on the So according to Tosafot, this establishment that Rabbi Shimonasi only argues on the first half of the Braita, that's only in the Havamina. But once we come to the conclusion that Rabbi Yosef is not correct about Seifel equaling Ambati, then we go back to assuming that Rabbi Shimonasi is on the latter half of the Braita, and then it'll, everything will work out, the Halacha. Other Rishonim believe that Rabbi Shimonasi, according to the conclusion, the Gemara is still arguing on the Reisha, and therefore it would come out that both Kli Rishon and Kli Sheni, whether according to Beit Hillel, whether according to Beit Shammai, you're only allowed to place hot into cold, but not cold into hot. That is not the way that we pass in the halacha. I saw that Rava was not makpid, he wasn't careful about whether it was a kos or a seifel, the question of whether the girsa of Amano belongs in here, but either way it means the same thing, which is that he wasn't makpid on whether it was a kos or a seifel, a cup or a bucket, meaning that he thought that the statement of Abkhiyah that a seifel is not like an embati was correct, and that a seifel has the same din as a kos, meaning that size didn't matter as long as it was a cliche knee. He thought you could put cold into hot or hot into cold. What we had already concluded from Abayi's quoting of Abkhiyah, that a seifel does not have the same din as an embati. So, Meditani Abkhiyah, where does he know this from? Because of a bright Rebchia, which says that a person can take a pitcher of water, tok seifel shomayim, into a bucket of water. Ben chamim letok tzoyin, ben tzoyin letok chamim. Whether it's hot into cold, or cold into hot. Now, the Gemara says, Amalei Ravuna Ravashi, domashani hotam. Wait a minute, how do you know from that Breitah that you are correct? Breitah says that a person can take a pitcher of water, and put it into a bucket of water. It sounds like you're inserting the actual pitcher into the bucket, that the water is still contained in its original vessel. And if that's the case, shiny hot on the Mifsakli, that there is actually a separation between the hot and the cold water. If you take a bucket of hot water and then you take a pitcher of cold water and stick it in, the pitcher actually separates between the cold and hot water. And maybe that's why Rova allowed it. If you actually directly mix the hot water and cold water, maybe he would not permit it. So how can you bring a proof from this that Rova didn't consider any difference between a seifel and a kos. There's no proof from this brayta, because this brayta is talking about a different issue. Mar says, That brayta said that it poured. Not that he placed, but rather that he poured. The way to read it is, adam kaiton A person can pour a pitcher of water into a bucket. Whether it's hot into cold, or cold into hot. And that would show us that he believed, like we saw from Abayi before, that a seifel, a bucket, does not have the same din as an embati, 
and that is safe on a coast are equal. And if they're a Kalishini, then going to Beit Hillel, you can pour hot into cold or cold into hot. And even Rabbi Shimon Asiu argues, only argues on Ambati, and therefore the Locha, that will be the case that one can pour hot water into cold or cold water into hot if you're dealing with a Kalishini, a Kalishini that has a smaller quantity like a Kos or a Seifel. Once you reach the size of Ambati, the size of a bath, then already we are Gozer, according to Rashi, when it's a Kli shown, then Rabbi Shimon Asi says you can't put anything in there, cold into hot or hot into cold, and according to Tosafot, even when it's a klisheni, one cannot put hot into cold or cold into hot, because it looks too much like a Kli Rishon. Next Mishnah. Hayofis Vakteira. The frying pan and the Ktera, Hapat, Shevirian Rotchim. He took them off the fire. They were cooking on the fire, which is a called a Kli Rishon Shal Gabeya Ish. Kli Rishon that sits on the fire. And then he takes them off the fire. Then, lo yiten tavlin. One may not put spices into that dish. That's a kli rishon, shusar mina ish, that was removed from the fire, and a kli rishon is mevashel. So one may not put spices into such a utensil. Aval notenu One may place those spices into the serving dish, into a bowl. So after you've taken out of the kli rishon, the ilfis or the, or the deira, and now you remove the food and place it into a bowl for serving, that's already a klisheni. The tamchui is just a larger serving dish. The bowl is an individual serving dish. The tamchui is a larger serving dish. Once you put it into the serving dish, and now it is already a klisheni. Once it is a klisheni, then klisheni is enu bevashel. It doesn't cook. If it doesn't cook, then you can put spices into that klisheni. That a person can put this into anything except something that has vinegar or brine in it because that increases the intensity of the heat and that will be problematic. What Rabbi Huda is arguing on in the mission is unclear and that will be the first question of the Gemara. Now Tosafot over here brings down a machloket about what's called irui klirishon. When someone pours liquid out of a klirishon into a klisheni. We've already established that there's a difference between a klirishon and a klisheni. Klirishon was on the fire and after even after it's taken off the fire the walls of the klirishon are still hot and the liquid inside is very hot, as long as it's above Yad Zoletipo, and then it can cook an item. On the other hand, a klisheni is enum bevashel, according to the Gemara. Even, it seems, if it's above Yad Zoletipo, Tosafot already explained that, because the walls of the klisheni are cool. By the walls of the klisheni being cool, then it does not allow it to cook. I was once told by a physicist that if you took an egg and placed it into a klisheni, it would not be able to boil the egg. No matter how hot the water is coming from the klisheni into the klisheni, because the heat intensity cannot be maintained because of the cooler walls in the klisheni, therefore it could never boil an egg in a klisheni. That's basically what the Gemara is establishing. The klisheni is mivashel. A klisheni is not mivashel, irrespective of the heat of the item. In that yatsulet boat is obviously the threshold for cooking. Anything above yatsulet boat, no matter how hot the temperature is, klisheni will be mivashel. Klisheni will not be mivashel. And as Tosfot already established, that has to do with the fact that the walls cool down the water. But there's also something in between, which is when you're pouring from the klisheni into the klisheni, that stream of water that's coming out of the klisheni into the klisheni, what is the status of that stream of water? So there is a machloket in the Baliat Tosfot. Tosfot over here brings it as well that whether it's classified as a klirishon or a klisheni. The Rashbam believes that it is a klisheni. The water that's pouring in the stream of water coming out of the klirishon into the klisheni already has a qualification as a klisheni. And the Ri believes that a iroi pouring out of a klirishon still has a status of a klirishon. 
And obviously, this has major nafkaminot. If you're pouring out of a clear shown hot liquid, if you're pouring onto something, if you're pouring onto a solid, will that cook or not cook? If you believe it's already considered to be a klishani, it will not cook like the Rashbam. On the other hand, the real believes that when you're pouring hot water out of a clear shown, it has a stas like a clear shown, it will cook. And that will have a huge nafkamino, lalacha, in terms of pouring hot water into something else. Tosafot over here takes a third position. And he says that, truthfully, it's not a clear shown, it's not a klishani. That when you pour out of a klibishon, the liquid that is coming out, or the stream of liquid that's coming out, will cook, but it will only cook kadei klipa. The outer edge or the outer skin of whatever item it is, it will cook. So based on that, it's only partially cooks. Now this has a major nafkamina lalacha and lalacha lamaisa, which means that if you are pouring out of a klibishon onto an object, if that object is not mibushal, it's not cooked, then it will cook the outer edge, and no problem with bishul on Shabbat. On the other hand, if for whatever reason the outer edge is not cookable, then whatever item is inside is fine. This comes up, for instance, with baby bottles. Baby bottles have milk inside, and you want to warm up the milk for the baby. So if you want to do this, you could actually take a klivishon, hot water, and pour it directly onto the baby bottle, because klivishon that you're pouring, that water, the stream that's coming out, is a irui klivishon. According to Tosafot, it's only mevashel kiklipa. It's only mevashel the outer edge. Well, the outer edge of the baby bottle is the bottle itself, and that doesn't cook. And the milk on the inside is fine, then, because it doesn't cook the inside. And therefore, it would be permitted on Shabbat to pour from a gliwi shown hot water onto a baby bottle or any other item, again, where the outer shell does not cook and the inside then gets warmed up by it. And so it does have an afkamin alocha, and that's why Tosafot Paskins and we pass on alocha that irui gliwi shown, a stream of water coming out of a gliwi shown is not a gliwi shown, it's not a klishini, but it's mevashel klipa, it cooks the outer edge of the item. All right, now the Gemara says, when Rabbi Yehuda says in the Mishnah that you can put everything into what you want except vinegar and brine, is he addressing the first half of the Mishnah or the second half of the Mishnah? Meaning that the first half of the Mishnah says you may not put spices into a Kli Rishon. So Rabbi Yehuda is saying you may put it into a Kli Rishon as long as that Kli Rishon does not contain vinegar or brine. Or is he addressing the second half of the Mishnah? The second half of the Mishnah said that if it's a Kli Shini, you can put spices into it. And Rabbi Yehuda says you may not put spices into a Kli Shini if it contains vinegar, or fish brine. The Gemara says, Tashma, the Tanya, we have a brighter. You can put spices into any frying pan, a cleary shown, or into any pot, which is boiling, cleary shown. Except for something that has vinegar or fish brine in it. So that means Rabbi Yehuda is addressing the ratio, and he's saying that even into a cleary shown, one can put spices, as long as it doesn't contain vinegar or brine in it, which increases the intensity of the heat so high that it would cook. Otherwise, the ling are not cooked by a klirishon, and one can place them into a klirishon. So that means that Yehuda is addressing the reisha, and he is the kula. Sabar Rabbi Yosef Lemeimar. Rabbi Yosef thought to say, Melach harihu ketavlin. Salt has the same din as spices. That means that you cannot salt or put salt into a klirishon, but you may put salt into a klirishon. Why? The klirishon bashla. A klirishon cooks. Ubekisheni lo bashlo. And a klirishoni will not cook. Amalei abaye, tani rabichia. We have a brayta from chia. Melach enaketavlin. That salt does not have the same status as spices. The klirishoni nami bashlo. Because even in a klirishoni, salt does cook. Upligi the Rav Nachman. That argues on Rav Nachman. Dam Rav Nachman sricha milcha bishula kebisra de Torah. That salt needs to be cooked like the meat of a shore, the meat of an ox, which is very hard and requires heavy-duty cooking in order to cook it. And therefore, Rav Nachman believes it's very hard to cook salt. And if that's the case, certainly you could put it into a klisheni, maybe even into a klirishon. 
And Rabbi Yosef is suggesting, based on the bright of Rabbi Chia that says, salt is not like spices, and therefore Abayi is suggesting that based on the bright of Rabbi Chia, that salt may not even be cooked in a klishini. It's not permissible to even put salt into a klishini. So now we have an ikadam, right? We have a second lashon, which is Rabbi Yosef, the member melach harehu kitavlin. Salt is like spices. The klishini shown bashla, klishini lo bashla. In a klishini it does cook, in a klishini it does not cook. Amalei bayit hani Rabbi Chia, Melach ain't Salt is not like spices. The Kli Rishon nami lo basho that even in a Kli Rishon it doesn't cook. I know that Rav Nachman and that agrees with Rav Nachman. Sricha milcha bishul kebistra de Torah that in order to cook salt it needs super duper cooking and therefore it doesn't get cooked. It's almost impossible to cook salt. And that's the case. You can even put salt into a Kli Rishon. So now Tosafot brings down how do we pass the Nalocha? So he brings down principles that are used by different Rishonim. He says Rashi's principle is Chomakom diika lishne. The Pligibe Shelterah, whenever you have two Lishonot that argue in a Torah din, then you go after the more stringent view. Ubishel Sofrim, and when it comes to a din de Rabbonon, then we go after Acharacharon, after the latter of the two Lishonot. So over here we have two Lishonot in the Gemara, so how would we paskin? So Rashi tells us, if it's a din de Raita, we go after whichever one is stringent. On the other hand, if it was a din de Rabbonon, we'd always follow the latter of the two Lishonot. The Rabbeinu Tam believes, like Rashi, when it's a din de Raita, we go to Hachmir. But if it's a din de Rabbonon, then we go to Kula, irrespective of which Lashon is Rishon or Shini. And there's a third position of the Rival who believes that the first Lashon is always the primary Lashon. The Gadamri is always secondary, therefore we're going to opt to Paskin like the first Lashon. Therefore, according to all of these three principles laid out by these different Rishonim, actually they're being time in the Riva, in our situation over here, we would Paskin like the first Lashon. First of all, according to Riva, the first Lashon is primary, so we'd Paskin like it. According to Rabbeinu Tam and Rashi, we're dealing here with the Dindo right of Bishul and Shabbat. That's the case. We should pass on the Hachmir. The Hachmir is the first Lashon here, which says that salt is not like spices. It's not like spices that even in a Klishini, one would not be permitted to put salt in it. Nevertheless, Tosfot says that he thinks over here that the Alocha is Kalishna Batro. Alocha is like the second Lashon. The Lishna Kama Paldig Abibrite the Rabbi Chia Adarav Nachman. Because in the first Lashon, if you leave it that way, it turns out that the way we established the Brite of Rabbi Chia, now we'll argue on the position of Rav Nachman. And the second Lashon reconciles between the Breitah and Rav Nachman. So we'd much rather pick the second Lashon, which doesn't have a stira between Rav Nachman and the Breitah, than the first one that does have that stira. And there where Tosafot says that the Locha is Gedalishna Batra over here, and that's the way that we paskin Lohalocha, that salt is not like spices, and that even in a Gleri Shon it's not Mevashel, but Tosafot then puts a little line at the end, which we also subscribe to, which is that if someone is Makpid, not to put salt into an item, that a clearly shown that is Yatsalitabo Tavola Bracha. That's a good thing to do. It's something that's appropriate. Don't put salt into a clearly shown that is Yatsalitabo. Rather, you should only put it into either a Klisheni or a clearly shown that's below Yatsalitabo. Even though technically Midorite is Mutar, it's Choshesh a little bit that salt shouldn't be different than spices, and therefore you should only do it into a Klisheni and not into a clearly shown. So now, just for a summary with regards to what we've seen in terms of Bishol and Shabbat, we've established now that a clearly shown is Mivashel. As long as it's above Yad Soledipo, as long as it's above the temperature of Yad Soledipo, it is Mivashel on Shabbat. And an item that was not cooked that is placed into it, or liquids that are not cooked that are placed into it, that will be a violation of Bishul on Shabbat. On the other hand, we saw that a Klisheni is not Mivashel. A Klisheni cannot cook. And Tosafot established the reason that that is is because the walls cool down the water. Meaning that even if it's above Yad Soledipo, it still cannot cook the item because the walls will cool it down and will not sustain the heat that it needs. This, for instance, has an afkamin in terms of ladles, laden link soup out. The soup, which isn't a clearly shown, 
taking a ladle out of and ladling out the soup, is the ladle considered to be a klisheni? And the bowl that you have considered to be a klishlishi? Well, that depends. If you think the reason that a klisheni does not cook here is like tosafot, because the walls cool it down, then it may change the status depending if the ladle now heats up. If you leave the ladle in the soup, the walls of the ladle will now get hot, and therefore will not have a status of a klisheni. And therefore, when you pour it into the bowl, that will be a klisheni. On the other hand, if the ladle walls remain cool, then when you take it out of the soup pot that was on the fire, that will become the klisheni, and the bowl that you have it in will become a klishlishi. So there is an afkamina about this idea of the walls cooling it down with regards to items that are left in the pot that was on the fire. Because if their walls also heat up now, they will no longer serve as a klisheni. So that's one afkamina. So therefore, if a person is makpid in order to ensure that the soup bowl that they eat from is a klishlishi, Again, that's a discussion in the scheme whether klishlishi matters or makes any difference. But if this klishlishi helps in terms of allowing you to put items into it instead of a klisheni, then it will make a difference as to whether the ladle sits in the soup and then the walls are heated and it's no longer making it into a klisheni, or whether the ladle is outside of the soup pot and therefore the walls remain cool and therefore you can dispense the soup from there into the bowl and the bowl will be classified as a klishlishi. We also saw that when you pour from a klishon into a klisheni, irui klishon, whether that's considered to be klirishon klisheni, we saw the conclusion of Tosafot that it's mevashel klipa, that it does cook, but only cooks the outer edge of the item. We saw from that, nafkaminot about items that are encased in a, for instance, baby's milk in a bottle, where you could do it because the mevashel klipa would be the outer walls of the bottle, which would not cook, and therefore that would be permitted to pour from a klirishon onto the bottle. The other thing one might have to be careful about then is if one has had a bowl of soup, and then after they finish the uh, bowl of soup, they want to go now and put more soup into that bowl. Well, the soup that you're bringing into there, if you're pouring it straight out of the pot on the fire, that's a kli rishon. That's an irui kli rishon, which is mavashel kukipai. It could be mavashel, the residual soup that's in your bowl. So then it's important then to maybe use a ladle or something that cools it down. So that, that's a kli sheni, and that was going into the bowl is then a kli shlishi. Over there, we would assume that it does not cook that which is left in the soup bowl. Or on the other hand, maybe we say that that which is in the soup bowl is de minimis. There's not enough there. And therefore, there's really no cooking that's taking place because there's so little. Or that what's left in the soup bowl has not cooled down yet to room temperature. So it's still considered to be a liquid that is mibushal. And therefore, pouring hot water on it will not cook it. Those are different ways to deal with some of these issues. And again, a summary of what we've seen so far in terms of klivishon and klisheni. Lohalocha, what actually happens here is that the Gemara is going to say that there's certain things called kalea bishul. Things that cook easily, that even cook in a klisheni. We're not exactly sure what those items are. And since we're not sure what those items are, we are makbid or careful not even put things into a klisheni for fear of it being one of these kalea bishul, one of these things that cook easily, even in a klisheni. And so the halacha today, that influences us in terms of klisheni, what we do put into a klisheni, because we're worried or about something that's not, is one of the kalea bishul, and then it could be nitbashel in the kli. Right? That we'll get to when we reach the discussion of the kalea bishul, but just so you know that the locha, even though we've discussed all the items here, there's still one more factor that will impact in terms of Kli Rishon and Kli Shini. Now the next Mishnah moves on, and now we're back to the Dinim of Muksah. It says, One may not place a utensil under the lamp in order to catch the Shem and the oil that drips out of it. But if you do it before Shabbat, that is permissible. And one may not use the Shem that falls into this utensil on Shabbat, because it's not prepared, meaning it's muksa. And now, Tosafot says that this is even according to Rabbi Shimon. Even according to Rabbi Shimon, it says that generally there's no muksa on Shabbat. He does believe that something called muksa maksa mitzvato. 
that something that is done for a mitzvah designated for the item to be used, for instance, Nerot Shabbat, and therefore, when the oil drips out of the lamp, you do not have in mind to use that oil on Shabbat, and even according to Rabbi Shimon, that would be considered to be muksa. Now, what is the problem of actually putting the kli on Shabbat underneath the lamp to catch the oil? There's one of two possibilities as to what the problem is. Rashi says, either it's according to the Mandamar that says that a kli can only be taken for its primary purpose on Shabbat, and the kli, a bowl, its primary purpose is not to catch oil from a lamp. It's used for eating from, and therefore that's a problem of muksa. Or the other problem is something called what's called mevatel kli mehechano, that you are now ruining the kli from its primary purpose. That is, that until now you could use this bowl for whatever you wanted. On the other hand, once the oil falls into it, it's muksa, that bowl, now you cannot move. You can't move the bowl because there's muksa in it. So now you've changed the status of this bowl. It was had utility beforehand, and now you're removing its utility. And Rashi claims over here, it's the equivalent of bonet. It's the equivalent of building on Shabbat, or looks like building on Shabbat, because now you've basically frozen that bowl in place. You can no longer move the bowl anymore, as if you've cemented the bowl in place. That's the way he describes it here. Later on, the Mesech, the Rashi, talks about Mevat and so just the opposite, it's like Soter. It's like undermining or destroying or deconstructing something, because the Kli had utility beforehand, and now you've taken away that utility. So it's either Bone or Soter, not actually, but looks like Bone and Soter, and therefore one may not be Mevat Kli on Shabbat. One may not take a utensil that has utility on Shabbat, and remove that utility. Putting muksa into an item on Shabbat removes the utility of the utensil, and that is not permitted on Shabbat. Now, I'm Rav Chista. Even though we said you're not allowed to put a bowl underneath the chicken that's laying an egg, the kabel beitzata, to catch the egg. And then, then if it's already laid an egg, you can turn a bowl upside down and cover it so that somebody doesn't step on it, or the animals don't step on it and break it. So what is the difference? And that's what the Gemara is going to discuss now. We'll get to Rabba's reasoning today, and Rav Yosef's tomorrow. Why is it different between having the egg actually go into the bowl, which is not permitted according to Rav Chista, versus covering the egg with the bowl? Now Rav Chista learned this out from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says that you can't put a bowl underneath the lamp to capture the oil. So that would be the same thing here. You can't put the bowl under the chicken to capture the egg, implying that if you didn't catch the egg, you covered the egg, that that would be permissible. So, Amar Abba, my time de Rav Chista. What is the reasoning behind Rav Chista? Generally, chickens give birth to their eggs in the dump or somewhere where it's soft. But they don't usually lay eggs on an incline or a decline. So therefore, something that is considered to be a regular occurrence on Shabbat, the Chamim said, there you can save or protect the egg. But something that is not considered to be a normal way, a normal case, then they would not allow this on Shabbat. So as Rashi points out over here, that even though the Beitzah is Davar Shabbat, the egg is something that may not be carried on Shabbat, it's Muksa on Shabbat. So therefore, if it's something that is commonly happens on Shabbat, then a person basically has in mind to deal with this on Shabbat, and therefore, he'll use the bowl to cover the egg, because that's a normal utilization. On the other hand, if you put the bowl under the chicken to catch the egg, well, catching the egg, you'd only do if it was on a decline or incline, you don't want the egg to roll down and break. That is not a normal occurrence. Since it's not a normal occurrence, that's not something you had in mind to utilize this cleave for. So that's the case, you may not do it on Shabbat. The Gemara says, Abai says, is that really true? 
when it's an uncommon occurrence, we didn't allow you to take care of it on Shabbat. Batanya, we have a brayta. Nishpera lo chavit shel tevel berosh gogo. He has tevel on his roof, a barrel full of tevel that breaks on his roof. Mevikli, he can bring utensil meniach tachtecha, and he can catch the liquid that comes out of it. Now that's an unusual circumstance that you have a barrel or some containment utensil that bursts, and then what's coming out of it, you're allowed to capture. So here it's hatzalah sheinim mitzuya. It's an uncommon occurrence, and we do let you capture the item that is coming out of it. Now Rashi claims over here, and that's the gusha that we have, that we're talking about tevel over here. We're talking about tevel, which is not usable on Shabbat, because you can't eat it, and you can't be mitaken, you can't take up shumot to on Shabbat. And again, the problem here is that it's like a beitzah, it's something that's mukseh, and despite the fact that it's mukseh, we allow you to capture it on Shabbat. So the Gemara answer is, We're talking about new barrels. New barrels are more likely to burst because they haven't been tested yet. And therefore, the shkiche de pake, and that's normal. So therefore, it is something that's a common occurrence. And therefore, Chazal allowed us to save the materials inside because that's something that would be in consideration before Shabbat. The person can put a utensil underneath the lamp to catch the sparks that come out. So the Gemara says, That's true. Even sparks coming out of a lamp, that's normal. And therefore, again, you can carry the kli in order to utilize it for this ma- for this matter because it is a hatzalah mutsuya, something that is common occurrence. One can turn a utensil upside down to stop a candle from causing a fire to the ceiling, the catching on the ceiling. So you put some sort of cover on top, some sort of kli that you hang over it in order that it will not now catch fire onto the roof beams. It's in a low house, a house that does not have a high ceiling, but it's very common for there to be a fire because the candles catch the roof. And therefore it is at Salah Mitsuya. It is a common occurrence, and we therefore Chazal gave a dispensation to use the Kalim in that case. Or if a roof beam that broke, you can hold it in place with a bench. Barakota mita, or with the bedboards. Mara says, again, how could you do this? Here it's a hatzalah. You're taking a kli that's utilized on Shabbat, a bench, or a bed, which you can use on Shabbat and move them around. And now you're putting it into a position where they won't be able to move anymore to stop the house from collapsing or stop the roof from collapsing. Mara says again, We're talking about new roof beams, which have yet to be tested. And since they've yet to be tested, it's many cases when they put the plaster on top of the roof beams, they collapsed. And only afterwards they knew whether they could use those beams or bring in new beams. It says, One can put a utensil under a drip on Shabbat. So if you can put a utensil under a drip on Shabbat, the water that's coming in is muksa. And here we are allowed to carry the kli to take care of the delaf, the drip that's coming in. It says, We're talking about a new house where it's common to have leaks because they haven't fixed everything yet. They haven't fixed everything, put everything in place. And so they don't know that it'll leak. And once it leaks, then they can fix it. So this is a common occurrence in a new house. So Rabbo's explanation of Rufiste is that when there is Hatzalah Mitzuyah, when it's something that's a common occurrence, we allow you to carry a kli and utilize the kli to save or protect whatever is there, even though it might involve, what Rashi says is tilto, that it involves something that you cannot carry on Shabbat, whether it's a Beitzah, whether it's the Tevel. Nevertheless, Chazal gave a dispensation where it's Hatzalah Mitzuyah, not in a case where it's Hatzalah Shenit Mitzuyah, not in a case where it's an uncommon occurrence. Tosafot here disagrees with Rashi, and one of the main issues he has is with this tevel. He thinks that the tevel over here is not part of the girsa, and we're not talking about something that is mukse. And he disagrees with Rashi. He says the issue here has nothing to do with mukse; it has to do with a din called tircha. So again, we'll get to later in the Masechta, which is that on Shabbat, Chazal restricted us from taking unnecessary exertion. 
or extra work on Shabbat. Not work in the sense of malacha, on a violation of Shabbat, but exerting oneself too much on Shabbat, where it's going to ruin the spirit of Shabbat. It's tircha, it's too much effort. And therefore, Tosavot over here says that Chazal said, when it involves a tircha she'ena an effort that's unnecessary, or tircha that is not mitsuyat, it's not common, they won't allow you to do that on Shabbat. So again, here, where the fact that an egg will roll down on an incline, that's a very uncommon occurrence. Therefore, they do not permit you to make the exertion or effort to take care of it. On the other hand, that's something that is a common occurrence, Chazal allowed us the dispensation to make a tircha, because we assume that it's going to happen, and since it's going to happen, as I said in that case, it's considered to be a tircha that is normal, normal exertion and normal effort, because these are common occurrences. And Tosfot does point out that in our Mishnah, where it says you're not allowed to put the kli underneath the lamp, in order to catch the oil, even though that's a davar mitsuya, that lamps leak oil is very common. How come, according to Rabbo, then you can't do this? He says, the answer is, it's very interesting, he says it's very common to put a kli before Shabbat to capture the oil. That's what's common. It's not common to put a kli on Shabbat to capture the oil, because you put it there from the start that it's lit. And that's why it's considered to atzala any mitsuya on Shabbat, because most people would put it there before Shabbat. On the other hand, by sparks, which, even though they are common, they're not very common. Some people will not put a glee there before Shabbat because they don't always worry about sparks coming out. Therefore, since it's somewhat common, but not all the time, it would be considered to be a Tzalem when you put the utensil there to capture the sparks, even on Shabbat. Okay, we'll stop over here.